Aber dies ist keine Zeit für die Schwäche des Geistes. Jedes Schwanken, jedes Zögern ist ein Verrat am Vaterland. Denn der moderne Krieg ist wie ein Schachspiel. Es geht niemals um den Einzelnen, sondern immer nur um das Gesamte. We are now over a century out from the end of World War I. It feels like there are some strange connections to that time period. The last major pandemic, the Spanish flu, hit between 1918 and 1919. It was first identified military personnel and went on to infect a third of the world's population. Fighting between two countries in Europe, this time Russia and Ukraine, is in full effect, with every major European power contributing to that war effort. It seems like a perfect time for the German remake of All Quiet on a Western Front to be on the Oscars list for Best Picture. All Quiet on the Western Front has been made into a movie four times since its initial release as a novel in 1929. Most famously, the American pre-code version in 1930, just a year after the novel's release. It was directed by Ukrainian-born Louis Milestone and starred Lou Ares as Paul Baumer. Forgive me, comrade. Say that for me. Say you forgive me. Oh no, you're dead. The 1930 version all Quiet on the Western Front, is still hailed as a harrowing depiction of World War I and has been ranked as the seventh best American epic film by the AFI. 92 years later, German director Edward Berger has made a German-language version of the film. It'll be the first time a remake of a Best Picture winner has won. Edward Berger also says that knowledge of World War II and the German shame from Nazi Germany was part of a process behind this remake. You know, it didn't stop right there after when Remark wrote this novel. It just continued. It almost immediately uh, led to the Second World War. So that was important to, to, to put into the film. He cites Laszlo Nemes, Son of Saul, which won Best Foreign Language Film in 2016 as his subconscious influence. Son of Saul is a historical drama about a prisoner in the camp at Auschwitz. Part of what Berger means by subconscious influence is that Son of Saul utilized the extremely intimate shooting style that All Quiet on the Western Front aimed to replicate. In a way, also, we wanted to make it intimate by staying very close to the characters and to what they're feeling. So actually, all of our decisions, camera, music, production design, costume, props, everything felt important to include into, or to, to just use in terms of what is Paul or Kat or whoever's in the frame feeling at this very moment? And that's what the camera tried to capture. Paul Baumer was an extremely iconic character in modern German literature. is played by Austrian actor Felix Kammerer. Berger found Felix at a theater in Vienna, and he had never been in front of a camera before. And I got a call from the director and the producer, and they told me we're going to see us in Prague. And then I was celebrating, but it takes you, I think, four seconds, and then you realize, oh God, now I have to really do that. <laughs> and then the pressure builds up, and um, then you start preparing. But first of all, of course, it's just an unbelievable moment where you realize, I now get the chance to do that. More than anything else, I think it's Felix's face that really sells a historical epic to the audience. His bright blue eyes stand out beautifully, caked in mud and blood, with a vacant expression behind them as the film goes on. All versions of All Quiet on the Western Front highlight the way that the Great War, as we now call it, was sold to teenagers joining the war effort. Die <laughs>
These children, who need parental permission to even join up, are told that they will be in Paris in just six weeks. Of course, nobody, including those recruiting soldiers, knew that the four-year war would be unimaginably destructive and end with 40 million casualties and 20 million wounded. One reason is that modern total war is completely different from that which came before it. World War I frequently utilized gas attacks, and early in Paul's story, we see the infamous gas masks deployed. Later in the film, we see an entire company of dead teenagers who are gassed inside a building. The war is sold to Paul and his friends as a way to heroically defend the fatherland. Meine Freunde! They enthusiastically join up and are taken to the horrific Western Front to live in the trenches. Part of Berger's German perspective that he added to the film was the real-life story of Matthias Erzberger's trip to Aspirin Armistice from the French military command. Monsieur le Maréchal, ich bitte Sie um den Waffenstillstand. Nous demandons l'armistice. The agreement that the French hand down to the German delegation is humiliating and concedes a large amount of territory. This will be the beginning of the humiliating circumstances that the Nazi party later seized upon. Erzberger is played by Daniel Brühl, an actor that American audiences would recognize from Tarantino's Inglorious Bastards. Invitation. Is this the besagte dame, Frederic? Jawohl, das ist der Dr. Gabitz. Emmanuel, j'aimerais vous présenter quelqu'un. Emmanuel Mimieux, j'aimerais vous présenter au ministre de la propagande, le chef de toute l'industrie cinématographique allemande, et maintenant que je suis acteur, mon patron, Dr. Josef Gabitz. At the end of the movie, although an armistice goes into effect in six hours, the dissatisfied general sends the soldiers for one last insane push through the plains. The push ends up being Paul's demise, but also the seeds of that dissatisfaction when the terms end up extracting a toll on the German people would sprout into the coming conflict of World War II. Diese Menschen, Brixdorf, verkaufen unser Vaterland. Mein Befehl lautet Krieg. Und solange sich das nicht ändert, kämpfe ich hier um jeden Meter. Wir müssen jetzt durchhalten, auf frische Truppen warten. In ein paar Monaten rückt der neue Jahrgang nach. Anyway, before I introduce the panel, let me say, please like this video and subscribe to the Movie Night Extravaganza YouTube channel. Also, we are now monetized, so if you have any pressing questions during this live show, send us a super chat. We are absolutely obligated by international law, human rights law, to answer it. We also have a Patreon, patreon.com slash movie night extra. All of our after parties are available on there forever. Okay, let me introduce the panel. Jandrew World, illustrator, book cover artist, comic designer, and artist for Give Them an Argument, co-host of Movie Night Extravaganza, and Bad Takes. 
Conan Neutron, co-host of Movie Night Extravaganza, host of Britonic Reversal, and frontman for Conan Neutron and the Secret Friends. Christina Oaks, when she's not dog-sitting, you can find her streaming on Twitch at twitch.tv slash cosmopolitics. You can find her on Twitter and Instagram at at cosmopolitics. Throw her some subs on Twitch. Lauren Schwinnard is a writer and social media strategist who writes film reviews for Merry-Go-Round Magazine and is on Letterboxd as Lonely Goat Herd. I, of course, am your Academy Award-nominated host in a supporting role, Forrest Miller. Let's bring <laughs> out those nominees. <laughs> well done. Well done. <laughs> oh, fun, fun fact. Daniel Brule's real name is Daniel Cesar Martin Brule Gonzalez. Ooh. Wow. That's, wow. Uh, he's, the, he's, uh, he's actually, he was, he's actually a Spanish German actor. That, that name got the Republicans organizing a ban against him. Actually. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Wait, Marti, like Jose Martin. Mar- like- Oh, yeah. Martin. I thought I thought it was gonna be like uh, German, Cuban, Spanish. Like, <laughs> well, he knows he knows uh, he knows how to speak uh, Spanish, German, Catalan, and French. Yeah, well, I mean, he speaks French throughout uh, *Inglorious Bastards*. Like, he yeah, switches between yeah, German and yeah. French that entire yeah. movie. <laughs> Very underrated, in my opinion, as an actor too. Yeah, he's good. He's I, I only good. know the the two roles is all I know. Falcon of the Winter Soldier. Yeah. Oh yeah, he's in that. Yeah, yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah he he uh, dances. Yeah. Okay. All right. Okay. <laughs> uh, hey, Lauren, welcome back. This is a hey. very different movie from the last few times you were on. I huh? know. We were just discussing. So the last time I was on here, we did Lady Bird, and then before that, it was The Princess Bride. So you know, she's got variety. <laughs> right, exactly. She doesn't have just the one thing. It's not just the one thing, people. It's always good. I to swear have to you. God, this uh, this whole month is variety. Oh like, yeah. We switched between really uh, Tar. We've gone to uh, Banshees of Inisherin. This like um, the next one we're doing is uh, the Fablemans. Right? Like yeah. yeah. So it's, it's like onion. yeah. <laughs> yeah. The lineup for this Oscar season is absolutely one of the most well thematically diverse that I've seen. <laughs> yes, important point. Thematically. Yes, thematically only. Thematically. But they did but don't worry, they did throw a sop in for the ladies. There there is there is literally yes. one movie directed by a woman. So that's good. Don't and they won't stop talking amazing. throughout it. And not even like for best director. Yeah, I know. That's no. just... <laughs> super, super annoying. And I, I actually did just see Woman King and I and I quite liked it. I do mm-hmm. think yeah. this was robbed. But that but that said, Andrea Riseborough is also fantastic. I do like to Leslie quite a bit. But we're not talking about any of that. That can wait till the after party. We're talking about All Quiet on the Western Front. Uh, I have said enough times this we uh, this month and going on that I I saw this with my dad over Thanksgiving. And I feel like this is peak watching with your dad on a holiday filming filmmaking and did i mean you, that uh, as a compliment did you, did you watch that with your dad with subtitles or did you guys go for the we uh, watched with subtitles yeah he, he's into it he likes that he likes that stuff which is great and he also that. had seen he had seen at least the 30s one and i think he had seen the 70s one i only knew the 30s one i knew the 30s one in the book i didn't even Same. know that there was a 70s one I, I feel like I feel like Netflix, um, like when they do a studio movie, like they give you everything at once. Like they do it in a bunch of different languages to make sure that yeah. you have that in advance. Like, I mean, definitely not good. Like, I I fucking would never watch this a movie like this dubbed. Like, you know what I mean? Like, it seems it, like well, it's horrible. Yeah. I mean, yeah. like the dark German accents are bad. 
like they had they had it on as dubbed uh for dark and i was like this show was terrible why does everyone like it and then i was like oh wait no it's it's german oh cool and uh, like i took so I, I switched over to German. I'm like, oh, this show's great. It's just the dub that's terrible. Yeah. And I think their whole deal is they're trying to go into international markets now, right? And that's one of the reasons why I think my theory is one of the reasons why this movie has done so well this award season is because they've done such a push towards like getting it to like every country because the international yeah. markets mm-hmm. love this film. Yeah. Well, and, and also, I mean, it's interesting that World War One, especially like, I mean, it doesn't get talked about as much as world war ii obviously but like it is a global conflict like it's going on in every corner of the world so pretty much anybody uh you know just ask wonder woman sorry (laughs) (laughs) like so so everybody has some kind of tie to it like everybody has you know an ancestor probably that fought in it or like and and a story behind that like i was i put in the chat like my uh great grandpa the only thing i know about him because my like my mom wasn't close with her uh dad's family the only thing i know about him is he got hit with mustard gas and he spent the rest of his life like fucked up from that oh my god my uh my great-grandfather was a german soldier during world war ii fought in russia and got killed so i'm like "Eh." yeah apparently my uh my grandma's nazi so my grandma's brother had a had a similar experience to uh in world war ii (laughs) had a similar experience to uh like this movie because they put him into the field in 1945 like right before the war ended he lasted seven days and got killed Oof. Oof. (laughs) that's but he was on the german side so i don't really feel too bad about it but if band of brothers taught us anything is it better to get it early or is it better to like have to watch everyone else get around you? Mm. Well, he joined up in 1945. So yeah, but that, but that's yeah. But what 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 I'm what I'm saying is that like that's that's sort of like one of like the big things with a lot of these war. Look at Saving Private Ryan. That one that one poor bastard gets it like as soon as the door comes down. Yeah, you know, that's mm-hmm. just like holy but, Jesus Christ. Okay. Speaking of subtitles, <laughs> I know a little bit of German. <laughs> yeah. I know a little Speaks bit of German. Like- I took it in high school. Um, <laughs> and I think we were considering watching the 30s version in class, but we watched Finn uh-huh. Nemo instead. But I will say that I do enjoy. That was, that's a different kind of war. <laughs> I feel like the but... discussions we have on this show. I'm like, what are we going to cover? What is war? This show. But like, all aquariums on the Western Front. When it, when it comes to um, like the subtitles, I'm kind of glad that that we actually can adjust the settings in Netflix or Hulu, or whatever. Be like, no, we want yeah. subtitles. We want the actual German. Like when I watched Clark with with Bill Skarsgård, they gave me the dub version. I was like, this is not. I was like, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait. I gotta have him speak in actual Swedish, the actual language, like not with an accent. It's yeah. weird. I don't even well, think this, it was him. Well, this movie only. This movie only like vibes i feel like in 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 german right because yeah like the, the speech he's giving like i can't imagine Amer- like an american voice being like for your country for the kaiser for the fatherland i'd be like remember, I remember past glory how, how they had uh, all the french people speak with like american accents yeah but they were like their accents denoted like. denoted their their uh cast too so like like the 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 redneck from France, hey, you speaking just like this, you know? <laughs> okay. Well, they did Lola. that. They did that in uh, Woman King too. Whenever they're speaking, so when they're speaking Portuguese, it's American with like a uh, 
No, wait. When it when sorry, when it's Swahili, it's American with like like an, an inflected accent. And then when they do Portuguese, it's Portuguese to make sure like to get across the point that it is something that most of the people don't understand. And like I was like, okay. I get it. Like, I, like it's hard to kind of get across. And if you're doing something that you want a lot of people to see, then like, you know, okay, you got to like, you know, not, it's better than being dubbed. Let's put it that I, way. I, I, I will <laughs> say this. There are some actors who, who probably have parents who were German or Hungarian or what, or whatever have you. And they're, and these actors are excellent at actually perfecting oh, yeah. the accent of like, well, they're dead on. German. Yeah. 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 Absolutely. <laughs> Like Lauren, did you watch it dubbed? Oh. Did you watch it dubbed or did you watch it with subtitles? No, I, I watched it with subtitles. I like um I like watching my war films that are set in Germany in German because it's just a little extra just punchy. Um yes. so and I liked the and I like the just um the authenticity that you get out of like actually listening to it in the original German. Um yeah. I've seen other other like foreign based like war movies dubbed it it never leaves me with like it's like i kind of always walk away like feeling a little detached from it so like mm -hmm. i always i always go for if it's in the original language to do it yeah. that way uh, i have to so say this though this week, i have a um, i did re yeah i, I, no, I did rewatch uh uh i did rewatch hero uh which was uh you know a chinese film and uh mm -hmm. they had they had james hong in it uh, and uh, that that dubbing was actually pretty good. I never seen the dubbing before, so uh, you know, not not all dubbing is is terrible. Just most of them. You I watched Battle Royale, Royale Coach. and it was great. Um, but that was the only time that I was like, <laughs> I didn't really like. I was like, I don't know. I'm seeing some really crazy shit happen here. I don't really care what language they're speaking. At that yeah, point. yeah. Well, some, sometimes it doesn't, and sometimes it. Um... Sometimes it doesn't. I'm trying to remember. I saw something where when you when you um, see an American soldier like that, like they're speaking English, but like the actor is terrible. <laughs> and it's like, oh, I wish yeah. that was dubbed. And like, <laughs> and like which one we, it was. We, and we know that especially during like Civil War era, like we we know the Northern accent was not really a like a New York accent right. wasn't really a thing. The Southern accent. I don't know really existed. Everyone still had a slight like. Are you kidding? The Union Army went into battle saying, "I'm walking in." Get out of the way! What are you doing? What am I, chop liver? <laughs> but I, I feel like if anything, these soldiers would have what would be maybe like a lower class version of a mid Atlantic accent. I'm assuming whatever that sounds like. So like. When yeah. you're watching like Civil War films, I'm like, you know, there's something about these Civil War films that or revolutionary films that just war films just don't add up. And they're like, what do you mean? I'm like, the accents all fucked up. They all sound like they're either from deep in the south or way like the heart of the Bronx. And they're like, what? Well, the I mean, every every that? war movie, every war movie needs that one guy that's like from Brooklyn though. That's in, yeah, the, that's in the squad that doesn't quite like vibe with everyone else. He's like. What are you guys talking about? I I eat pizza every fucking day. Like this is always the first one to go. They always yeah, exactly. kill the Italian first. And, and he's like, and he's like the cook. That's anti-Italian discrimination. I know my people. <laughs> he's like, he's like, this is the first time I've been up to the front. What is going? Oh, are we warming here? <laughs> oh, I just got shot. I just this guys my breaking my balls over here. <laughs> But yeah, the accents, the accents and, and, and dialect <laughs> is key when it comes to these war films. Mm -hmm. yeah, Especially yeah, in no, my I, opinion, foreign foreign war films are just so much better than 
America ones. Sorry, guys. It's just true. No, it, I, I, I have um. I have, yeah, I have, we'll get, we'll get to uh, that when we come back because I got thoughts and I know Lauren. All right. Well, I, so I have this <laughs> clip of uh, Felix Kammerer and, uh, you know, Daniel, Daniel Brühl, Brühl with the, uh, you know, the, 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 the umlaut. The, yeah. Um, so this is talking about his transformation into Erzberger and actually the accent that he uses, which, you know, is not his uh, native accent whatsoever. Like right. he, he uses a South German accent, um, which is a completely different. I mean, it's the same language, but it's just like, you know, the same thing, difference between like, you know, Mississippi and the Bronx. Right. Yeah. Swiss German, so, French German. There's a difference. Um, so th throughout this, I guess his wife is, uh, like from that part of Germany. So he basically acts in off of his like father-in-law kind of, Ooh. which is kind of a funny, uh, addendum to this. Let's go. Daniel, you go through a physical transformation. You're sort of almost unrecognizable as this character. Um, does that help you get into character when you, when you look in the mirror and you're like, wow, okay. My, my body's different. My face is different. Um, what does that do for you as an actor? Yeah, well, what I, what I wanted in 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 these uh, scenes that were uh, in 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 such a strong contrast to the to the action of the battlefields and to these young men dying, is a, a very contained and very focused um, atmosphere. It's almost also very claustrophobic the way uh, uh, James Friend and, and Edward uh, uh, shot it. And what I wanted to um, um to get right with this part is um you know the that persistent uh humanist um approach that that he had and that is for me reflected in his accent where he comes from because in contrast to the to the rigid harsh uh, prussian militaries uh, who have this almost it sounds like metal the way they talk it's that it's that it's that um that that very um tough uh german that they talk up until now you can hear it if you travel within germany you know people would talk differently in in berlin and they still have this this um this harshness in their in their accent so and that was for me difficult because my wife is from southern germany and it's it's, it's a difficult uh, uh accent to uh, uh to you know to uh, to hit and then uh, i had my father-in-law um you know reading all these lines and i always had my phone next to me um I'm still not sure if he would approve of my final uh, performance but uh, uh, i wanted to sound determined but soft uh, i wanted to be the only human being uh, in this uh, on 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 that train and so that was um to me the the most crucial even more than the physical you know to become a bit you know bigger and 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 you know to have a certain gravitas uh, but um that for me was one of the keys for that little part is uh, was that uh, the the voice and and the accent and i also found it very interesting what albrecht schuch did because he decided to have a, a an accent which is also not his uh, which sounds very working class because it's an, an industrial area of germany so i found it very smart that he went for for that and i'm very impressed that this young gentleman is an austrian and normally it takes me a second to uh, find out that someone is from Austria, but he is so good at getting rid of that accent that I at first thought, hold on, where are you, where are you from? So he lost it completely for that part as well. Um, so it's interesting. This is something that 
for us, it's the same with American movies that we cannot sometimes fully appreciate the differences and nuances of, of different accents. But um, uh, but in this film, if you have a bit of knowledge of, of German, it's 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 interesting to listen to you know all these different um, accents. But I have to tell you, you really nailed that accent because I was I was on set when I had a, a day off and I went to set and watched this the the screens and I listened to the scene over the radio and I thought, who is, who is this guy talking? And <laughs> I did not recognize your voice. And then I saw the picture and it looked to me like you were dubbed. Yeah. <laughs> I, it, really, it was eerie. By, by my father-in-law. <laughs> yeah. It was really eerie because it was so different from yeah. what you sound normally. It's um, oh, thank you, man. Yeah. Really great. Wow. wow. I, I just love, like, as someone who is 69% German. Nice. Nice. Uh, <laughs> I love the German accent and the variations of the accent, as, long, as well as the language. For those who don't know, yeah. if you're wondering why we learn high German instead of low German, it's because of Martin Luther's 99 thesis. Even though, in my opinion, German is the easiest language for English speakers to learn, since we get the German language from the Germanic I got tribes. Ninety-nine problems, but the church ain't one. Hit me. <laughs> yeah, that's exactly right. So, like, German. Even though I don't really remember a whole lot, because you know, high school, you just learn how to like conjugate verbs and and German history and nothing else. But like, it, I was busy learning was, the swear words. That's what I was doing. Scheiße, <laughs> fuck that. I know. Fick means fuck, which, by the way, the Germans actually invented the word fuck, so you're welcome. We did that. <laughs> that. That was part of the 30% that y'all were awake, right? Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, I just I, I just have a deep appreciation for, like, my German heritage and, like, the culture and the language and even the different dialects because there's different uh, – clearly there's difference between, like, you know, uh, northern accent, western, eastern. Like, it's just like any other – country like are you, are you saying to give it all up for the fatherland is that what you're <laughs> also daniel Bruhl's accent is very interesting because his mother is spanish so it's mm. almost like his accent's like a mixture between like a german and spanish like it's not completely german it's not fully like spanish because when i listen to him really speak i'm like he doesn't sound all that german mm, yeah so I'm like, his accent's always fascinated me. So that's why whenever he actually does play like foreign characters, like he really lets his like his talents go with him knowing that, you know, I have a mother who who speaks Spanish, I have a father who's German. So he gets the he gets the best of both worlds of playing these different like nationalities. Absolutely. I, I think, but I think one of the things that the movie does very well is that like, you also see like the young kids on like the French side too. And like, and they have their other, like you're not seeing their side of it much in the same way that like, there's a parallax view, uh, if you will, uh, of other aspects of this film and story where you're only seeing uh, one side of it. It's like, no, these are a bunch of scared kids just trying to like live. Wait, and that's, the, the and you think it would be obvious, but does that does not get over in all war movies, even some of the mm -hmm. good ones. And of course the best version of this Mark the time, 28 minutes, come and see. Yes. Okay. Yes. And which which was not even available to watch uh, in the U.S. for a long time because it was made under Soviet Russia. But, oh, my God, is that movie harrowing? And, like, oh, my, it's, a, it's, I think, Lauren, you said it, it's a horror movie, really. Yeah. It was really one of the, like, 
if not the turning point for me on even having an appreciation for war movies. Cause it's like, I grew up watching, you know, I saw Saving Private Ryan and I saw Schindler's List and all of those movies like had a very like profound impact on me. Um, World War One is a really tricky one because yeah. it was so brutal that a lot of people didn't dare to, to touch it. Uh, for a long time. I mean, the 1930s version really did it, and then no one did it for a really long time. Until and Wonder Woman. Until Wonder Woman. <laughs> um, Who knew the gods were involved? I didn't know. I know I missed that chat. That lasso of truth, man. You guys <laughs> given to the BDSM. <laughs> a, a, a big, a big part of like why it was so brutal and why they didn't expect it to be so brutal. Like they really expected that this is going to be another great power conflict. Uh, you know. Uh, in a whole list of great power conflicts that had happened uh, over like centuries, right? Like all over every France, time, Ferdinand of all people. Yeah. Well, every time one empire started getting above the other empires, pretty much like they'd all kind of uh, get into a, a scuffle or whatever. It would last a certain amount of time. I think the reason that world war one was so devastating is that it's the first modern industrial war that involves all of these different countries. And you know, the first time they have things like tanks, the first time well, that's... the planes are deployed, the first time gas is deployed, right? Like, so all of these things are almost like uh playthings in the hands of, you know, Imperial powers that just kind of uh, throw them onto the battlefield and uh, devastate, you know, kids. And they're not, they're, they're detached from it, right? Like who, like the people in control, the people manufacturing these things are completely detached from the battlefield where, um, you know, it's levels of destruction. I mean, machine guns too. Like there were never machine guns until this conflict. Like, so the, the ability to kind of just dig in these trenches and just, you know, brutalize each other uh, is, is something that I don't think anyone really expected, right? They, like people, mm -hmm. people brought horses onto the battlefield. Like they brought their cavalry and yeah. they just thought it was going to be another like cavalry war. And then it was like, oh no, this is like, you like they're taking machine guns and gunning down the fucking horses too. Like this mm -hmm. is not a cavalry war. Like Russia kind of had to, uh, Russia being completely unprepared kind of withdrew after like the Bolsheviks took over because they were like, uh, we're like, we're kind of just getting slaughtered. Like the, the Russian army did not really expect to, you know, be on the battlefield with, tanks machine guns planes i mean they did have good boots but like well, I, I, and I, I want lauren to, to finish her point uh but i have to say that the the, the scene where you see the tanks like the, these early versions of tanks how they're presented is i think one of the best presentations i've seen in any movie where like you just see things shaking and they're like what's what's going on and then you see these like things coming which let, let's be clear. These are like, you know, farm boys and, and stuff like that. But they don't, they don't have like an advanced, his, you know, knowledge of like what's happening. And like what They've the never, they don't affair. even, can't even conceptualize that it exists. There's just this it thing was, that's shaking the earth and rolling towards them like a dinosaur or something. Yeah, yeah that like on Empire so Strikes well Back. Right. Yeah, yeah, no, yeah, literally. Yeah, totally, <laughs> totally. So Lauren, what were you, yeah. I'm sorry, I didn't mean to. Oh, no, I, it's, it's all good. No, but to, to, um, Forrest's point, like, um, it, there was so much new stuff that was introduced and there was so much just like brutality. I actually would, I, I don't know if I told you about this um, prior to uh, us getting on here or not, but my, uh, my ex-boyfriend uh, used to work in VR and we were really big fans of the podcast, hardcore history. I don't know if you've heard of it, but it's, yeah. um, it's hosted by Dan Carlin. He's like this amazing historian. He does um, a, like an eight hour breakdown of world war one that is incredibly difficult to listen to um and so my ex-boyfriend was like what a wonderful thing to turn into a vr experience so he 
Um, so he created this um, this <laughs> VR experience with Dan. Yeah, that like basically like walks you through this. Why anyone would go through that experience is beyond me. But it was like an incredibly like visceral. You gotta take thing. you gotta take shrooms and then go through the. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, how how did they get the oh, soggy boots? Like like that's what I want to know. <laughs> they they slap some mud on you when you walk in. Yeah. <laughs> oh my gosh! Well, it's, yeah, it's a total immersion I, experience. I, I couldn't uh, stomach going through it, but um, but come and see in terms of the most that I think that I could possibly stomach in a war film, like that was it. And I think that that was the turning point for me on war films because before that, I was watching a lot of like World War II films that were very much like, you know who the bad guys are. And when they die, you're like, rah, rah, America. Like, that's great. Um, I didn't know that much about um, the conflict that was happening in Belarus when I watched yeah. Come and See. I kind of went into it blind, like not really knowing any of the politics of the situation or any of the history. Um, and so I was just really left trying to digest like the experience from this like young boy's point of view, which by the way, similar to um, uh, Felix, who is the lead in uh, this film. Um, I think his name's Alexi. What was it? Alexi. I'm going to butcher this. Alexi Sales, yeah. who knew? No. Yeah, Alexi <laughs> Kravchenko. So Alexi Kravchenko, yeah. this was his first performance also. Yeah. Was in yeah, yeah, right. Yeah, yeah, isn't yeah. it? Yeah. And Crazy. then he went on to do a bunch of other um, really like incredible. He was in The Painted Bird, which I know is like a very controversial film, but I see a lot of The Painted Bird reflected in the um, remake of All Quiet on the Western Front in a lot of ways. But going back to Come and See. So I think Come and See was the thing that really just like, knocked me knocked me out because it was so hyper realistic but also so surrealist at the same time like it felt like a fever dream and then you had to like sit there and think like oh my gosh but this actually happened and it was the first time that I realized that I'm like war films aren't just about winners and losers like it's a horror film right this is this is closer to the horror genre or it can be closer to the horror genre than it can be to adventure you know when in the right hands and and it's art and it's mm -hmm. art in a way that like the art is no there's no winners here nobody mm -hmm. nobody wins and it's so some of the shots are so beautiful but it's so brutal it's it's like akin to the road or something where you're just like oh that was great but mm -hmm. oh my god <laughs> oh my god I mean, i'm gonna go stare at the wall for a while <laughs> i i feel like i feel like war i feel yeah. like war films are uh is like hard to make number one obviously like really complicated to make Number two, you know, it's hard to sell them without kind of uh, join like joining up almost with like a a more um, not not like pro imperial, but like um, mm -hmm. I don't know. It's hard to make like a good anti-war film, right? Like it's hard yeah. to make a good anti-war film. It, it, it runs have the nationalism, whether you want to accept it or not. Like you, yeah. like right. you'll subconsciously be thinking about who you're rooting for, and that's just and, like. And, film in general you know you have your like integrity. people that missed the point with Patton it's like no it's yeah. not like here's a cool guy doing cool guy stuff like <laughs> like this is yeah. this is not the uh, how-to guy it's meant and it was meant fun, to fun quick Scott. story about Patton my dad saw it in the right. theater on an army base uh because he grew up uh my, my grandfather was uh uh was uh you know uh served uh for for many years and uh when the, the opening scene when they yell attention everybody in the theater just like stands up <laughs> Not realizing that it's part of the film. Well, because it's set up ex exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's, yeah. It's, and that's when yeah. the.
reasons why that that is effective uh you know lauren as you mentioned it's hard to do like a like a war movie that is like you know explicitly anti-war but especially for the time it was one of the reasons why is because it is one of the first times it used the dressing of uh war and the military and whatnot in such a way and depicted things but also was like oh no this is terrible he's like just using these kids like to like it's crazy like, like mm -hmm. this is a guy that's like is, is hailed as a hero and macarthur was almost like denigrated in some ways not for doing that and it's like no macarthur was right mm -hmm. <laughs> like, um like, nixon yeah. nixon was really into Patton. like he really like he watched it i think three times in a row and yeah. like identified clearly with Patton. Yeah, so yeah like, clearly not getting any of the nuance oh, of the story, right? And it was, and it was as Water, Watergate was, like, breaking. So he was, yeah. like, completely embattled. And he's like, I'm just like that guy. Oh, my God, no. <laughs> you know, can I, can I recommend a war film? It's actually more of a black comedy film directed by Richard Lester called How I Won the War. It stars Michael mm -hmm. Crawford and uh, John Lennon. John Lennon, yeah, that's the Jack Jack McGowan and Roy Keener. It's basically it's it, this is it. a conflict. This takes place during World War II, but it's about the Western Desert Campaign of 1942, which doesn't really get talked about at all in regards to World War II. But mm -hmm. it's a funny film, and it has a lot of heart, surprisingly, a lot of you know laughs, and also some you know traumatic you know moments, obviously. Um, but I feel like when it comes to like is war that where films, uh, John Lennon got the PTSD that made it? Never mind. No, that was gonna be an absolutely horrific. Don't joke. go there. <laughs> <laughs> doing so well, we were doing so well. Uh, yeah, I, 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 I was reminded of that when I watched the, the the Beatles thing, the Beatles thing that everybody watched that was great. That I forgot what it was called, where Ringo was mostly sitting around waiting to play the drums most of the time. Um, <laughs> I the, the, uh, think. Go ahead. Oh, I was just saying, since we're talking about like feckless leaders, you know, that's a great example. My favorite scene <laughs> in the uh, all along, uh, all quiet on the Western Front, where, where um, Baldy yeah. McMustache, I, I don't have anybody's name except for Paul. So, so everybody has a nickname, you know, the four friends. <laughs> good old Baldy McMustache. Who can forget yeah, him? We, yeah. Yeah. we do know who you're talking about. Yeah. He's yeah. General Baldy McMustache. Yeah. Give him some yes. respect. General Baldy McMustache. <laughs> uh, but, but where he's sitting there having dinner with that, uh, with the other guy, and he's like, Oh, what's your father do for a living? He's like, oh, he owns a factory. Oh, what's he make? Yeah. Like, he makes he makes some um, uh, horse bridles. It's like, oh, you're set for life. Yeah. Like, <laughs> just to show how out of touch and stupid this guy is. Yeah. Well, well, and, and, this, and so just this... the fact that he's a life, I mean, he's a lifelong soldier and his right. dad was a soldier. Yeah. And, he, like, just to sell the point that, like. An NCO, non-commissioned officer, didn't come up from, like, fighting. Came, like like came up like yeah aristocracy a, yeah yeah, yeah. Er, er, they were uh, aristocratic um, landed gentry like like often like like oh this is an alternative to like starting your own business is like you are you know a, a vaulted uh, military man and I think an, an accent on the man by the way uh, <laughs> great good one Christina the uh, Christina so henceforth we known as General Baldy McMustache well which, which is uh, but, but I think my actual contrast. my actual my actual point though is that like I think this film does an incredible job of showing that class of people mm -hmm. talking amongst themselves being completely divorced from the reality of of the of the front what is it like um what, what's the saying like uh um i, I forget there there's some there was some saying about like you know uh, donkeys uh, leading lions or something along those lines i can't remember exactly what it was but this this is one of the only movies i can think of 
that actually shows just how hapless and just completely willingly divorced from reality they were. And I think that is what makes us. Well, which is completely in contrast to the conversation where they're all sitting around and the kid is daydreaming about, you know, one day being the, the gendarme, right? Like the, the military police pretty much. And they're like, no, you're never going to be that. Like you are never going, like you're not, you're, you're rank right now is is never this, going to like if you yeah. live this will be what you are for forever if yeah. you live which is kind of a big if <laughs> and they're just sitting like so so that's cool i, I think that it's cool that um because they added you know they added all of these parts they're not in the uh there's yeah. no narrative about like generals there's no narrative about um you know uh, daniel Erzberger and the uh you know uh kpd like going to the um you know to to you know make some kind of armistice deal like uh, there's nothing, there's nothing about that in the original book. They added all of that, but they do have the class implications throughout it, and they do have a moment where the Kaiser literally like visits some at the front, and they put them in all new gear, and then take back the gear after the Kaiser leaves. After exactly. Uh- <laughs> <laughs> Which is incredible, right? It's like, no, no, that was that was for his benefit, not for yours. Amazing. Like, wow, we can finally get yeah, some good boots amazing. in the front, and they're like, right I, we're we're gonna need those boots back. Those are our... <laughs> yeah, no, no, we need. They them. gotta get like, off the ground. Well, and they they they, they there's like a, a rhyming thing of that early on when he's getting his uniform and it's got like someone else's name tag sewn into it, and he's like, oh I yeah, uh, it didn't fit him. It didn't fit him. And then they like, and then, <laughs> and then and you it, see, and the, and the reason is because they took it off of another dead body and they just didn't just tell like, him yeah. and it's yeah, just like whole... oh, such a good symbolism of like the endless cycle of war that it's just like they'll yep. just rip it off one kid and put it on the next kid yeah and, and, and it's and such a haunting it's such a haunting uh shot where you see the, the bottom like the camera goes down and you just see the pile of fucking tags that were from you know boots for kids that uh have died yeah like just like boots. it's like this is you know, 12 times an hour this happens, yeah. right? Where it's like, oh my God. Oh. Well, they're, well, they're just, and they're feeding these kids into the industrial mm-hmm. machine. And a perfect yeah. symbolism also is uh, when they're like, you know, the guy's selling them on the war, the principal of the school, which is a scene that comes directly out of, uh, you know, All Quiet in the Western Front, the novel. And he's like, uh, in weeks, you'll be in Paris and the war will be over, which, you know, the people that are out of touch, that's another version of being completely out of touch, right? Um, yeah. But then, you know, when they finally get to the field, like, uh, you know, just like 10 minutes later, or five minutes later or something and go through the whole process, they're like, you like, maybe you'll live six weeks. Like, wouldn't you like that? Wouldn't you like to live six weeks? And the kid's like, yes, sir. And he's like, maybe you will. I don't know. Like, <laughs> <laughs> Stranger things have happened, I hear. And the other yeah. <laughs> the other shot that I wanted to bring up um, in this is uh, they pull up in the truck and the uh, the doctor runs up to them that's just coated in fucking blood. Oh and, yeah! Oh god! <laughs> and that's yeah. the first thing they see, and he runs in. And he's like, and he's like, no, we need this truck yeah. right now. Get out! Get out! We need this now!" And it's like, oh, and, and it, they're all it, like, oh, after oh, they're oh, kind oh. of just like singing in the truck and like yeah, having, having a good, a good time. Old like, time. They're like, wow, this is gonna be awesome. We're going to the front. You know, the front is the good part of the war, obviously. Like, <laughs> the worst, th- the worst thing is uh, the the one he gets his gun gets called a dirty girl. You know, that's yeah, yeah, that's like the worst thing that's happened. <laughs> Which the, I mean, that scene is like. uh you know, it, it echoes um, <laughs> Full Metal Jacket. Yeah, that's yeah. like, you know, this is oh my, my rifle, God. and the, oh like God. I like the German version of that, where like the you sleep with your rifle, you know, you you love your rifle, right? And I must, you must not get any dirt on your like. They didn't say that in the fucking, uh, you know, the Full Metal Jacket. They're just like, this is my rifle, my right. You know what I mean? Like they go through the whole speech, but like I like the German version. That's like, you must not get any dirt on your rifle. <laughs> 
and it's on everything else. But yeah, yeah, I'm I, sure I, I'll get right I, on that. I, I got a Full Metal Jacket story that that's very amusing. So my father was in the Marines. He got <laughs> kicked out though because of his drinking. My uncle, my mom's younger brother, wanted to join the Marines. He wanted to kind of, you know, clean up his act because he was a bit of a bad boy or whatever. And uh, my dad was like, yo, Michael, you're not going to be able to handle the Marines. He's like, yeah, I can. He's like, okay, well, you know what? For your going away party, we're going to play Full Metal Jacket. So you'll know. And maybe you'll change your mind. He's like, I doubt it, Bill. I doubt it. I doubt it. I doubt it. He watches it. It with with my with family friends and he's like you know what yeah because the because full metal jacket is the real experience both both full metal jackets first part and yeah. second part <laughs> like, it's like, in different ways yeah like like it was just it, when i heard that story i'm like huh, that's so funny um also, well, so, and, so and after... i do think that is well real quick i do think that is one of the great war slash anti-war films but in an oblique kubrick way Yes. Right, and I think that's an important distinction because I think when there has been something that shows the horrors of wars, it's it's generally kind of been that way. And I, it's interesting that this just just is just documenting the horror. What it right? does and to I, the soldiers. And I think you see a little bit of that, like in in scenes. Like again, I, I I love the Saving Private Ryan scene where they they're storming the beach and the one kid just gets it before he even gets out of the boat, right? Because that is a perfectly indicative of what's going on. Band of Brothers did a great job of this. Not a movie, miniseries, whatever. But like, I think it's just it's rare to see a movie that does that, and it doesn't have like some kind of jingoistic whatever country it's pushing for, uh, kind of kind of thing to it. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. the, the book, the book, and I think that's why it's of, resonating too. Also, yeah, the, the book version of uh, All Quiet on the Western Front. Um, there's like a scene that's really reminiscent of the scene where they, uh, you know, they take the soap and they beat up, uh, you know, Private Pile with the right. soap, and it's that brutal yeah. scene. But in the in the book version of All Quiet on the Western Front, they beat up their drill sergeant, um, like because he he walks out like and you know he's kind of drunk because he's fucking German, obviously. So he's like kind of drunk, <laughs> and, like and so he's like coming that's back right. from the bar, and they hate this one guy. <laughs> So they they throw a sheet over his head and just start beating the fucking living shit out of him. Not like they don't kill him or anything. He like just runs off at some point. But like that's how they they handle their fucking drill sergeant. Um, that you know it's just annoying or whatever. And it's like the difference between that and what they'd allow in like an American movie. I feel like or what they'd have in an American you know uh, film where it's like you know of course you beat up another soldier and like you know the the discipline is there. But it's kind of interesting to see like oh no like the breakdown of discipline was immediate because these are just kids that like. You know, they're kids that you're fucking pushing to the limit already. And, you know, they're becoming animals. And it's like, of course, you know, if they saw an opportunity to beat the shit out of their drill sergeant, they would. Like, <laughs> Yeah. Oh, yeah. My dad told me lots of stories. He actually, when he was in the Marines during inspection, Ronald and Nancy Reagan showed up. You know, the throat goat and him. <laughs> uh, <laughs> and... She, he was like, this was like 1980. Like, this is right after he became president, I think. And he's like, you know, this is the early 80s. I don't think Ronald Reagan is all right up there. Hmm. Well, and Reagan's military service that he lied about constantly was just on like a, a like a Hollywood studio. Well, not Hollywood, but it's like, a you know, an off Hollywood studio uh, base where he was making military propaganda films and throughout his entire presidency he would mix up like i don't know if it was mixing up or if it was lying but he'd be like oh i was in combat and everyone's like that's the plot of a yeah, movie yeah. you made for the military yeah, like, yeah. You, made, you made a movie about that. That. yeah <laughs> and 
I, I think there's so much to discuss. Well, in this film that, <laughs> there's so much to discuss in this film that I don't really want to get into like Ronald Reagan's uh, career. But yeah, how amazing that like that was an actual thing that happened with like the leader leader of the free world, right? But I, a sensible leader of the free world. Well, I mean, I, I get to that landed gentry thing. I mean, not that Ronald Reagan was land like, but it gets to nope. that same uh, concept of that, the like, class dynamic, sure, because yeah, yeah, he yeah. was yeah because he's coming from a place where like you know yeah he, he never had to uh, like look even. Uh, some people, you know, it's it's like what's the Creedence song, right? Fortunate son, <laughs> it's all I mean, it's all right there, and that holds true not just for America but for any country. Vietnam vets be like, be like the meme. Every time fortunate son. Yeah, I just exactly. Want to point back to uh, our episode of uh, Paths of Glory, which uh, I know Conan and uh, Christina that was before doesn't doesn't me. exist unfortunately. It's too bad uh, that it doesn't <laughs> exist, but yeah. But but uh, you know th this movie actually made me think a lot about Paths of Glory because um, me too. Uh, yeah. You know, even though uh, Paths of Glory was set uh, on the French side of everything, um, it was uh, very much the same story of incompetent leadership getting people killed. Uh, well, I mean, yeah, I think that that's Paths of Glory a, a main, drama. That's the main story of of World War One, right? Like uh, throughout throughout like permeating throughout all of these stories is incompetent leadership and then just machines of fucking war, like industrial carnage so it's like you know uh completely out of touch uh like aristocratic generals and military hierarchy like leaders and world leaders and kind kids of literal yeah. kids suffering and that's yeah. the fact that it's so explicitly shown here and you see like just the the the, the barefaced nature of it that like they're not even bothering to hide it when they're amongst themselves like to the point of like the are the deadlines right the deadlines of like okay when will this go into effect well okay you know It'll go in effect like you know this this hour and this time. Why not now? Why not just do it now? And then and then like no one it seems that interested. It's, in yeah, it's the, it's the poetic nature of uh, you know eleven eleven. Yeah, yeah. Oh no, it, it seems like a better time to do it. Really? Yeah. Are you asking like these kids that are like literally dying face down in the mud? If that's a better time to do it, they would the, probably the think French, we should do it the now. The French, uh, the French mili like military, uh, you know, the general or whatever that's in charge of everything that he goes to to make yeah. the armistice. Seems like he really like just throwing out random times. He's like, it's just, it's, he likes numbers. Have, he's a numerologist. Yeah. <laughs> he's like, he's like, you have seventy-two hours to accept, and he's like, oh shit, and then he's like, all right, you accept now six hours. Will you? Uh, this goes into effect, like. <laughs> But that disconnection from any of the ramifications or consequences of, of what that would mean is like so so vital to understanding uh, the, the breakdown between those two classes, really. Well, and, and also just, you know, um, purposely kind of fucking with the, uh, the, the Germans because, you know, the French are obviously like the winners in the situation. They can do yeah. whatever the fuck they want. So like, you know, giving him the terms that are, you know, going to be fucking unpopular where he just seeds all the territory and then being like, oh, well, I guess I'll give it to you in six hours. Like it's the continual like fucking of somebody worked out really uh, well, didn't it? Yeah, <laughs> that worked out really, really well. Nothing bad ever happened because of that embarrassment. Right. Nothing bad. Not happened. A, I can't think of anything. <laughs> I've never I didn't read past this in the history book. Nothing bad happened after that. That was OK. Mm. Which uh, Dan Daniel Ertzberger. Uh, or Matthias Matthias Erzberger, the the guy that uh, Daniel Bruhl is, Bruhl is playing, right? Like he ends up being um, a scapegoat, pretty much that the Nazis just point to over and over again. Yeah. Like that's the guy that sold you out, and they end up fucking killing him in the end because it's like that's the guy that sold out Germany. Like so, he gets tired with that, and he's not well, even, he's he's not even like a SPD member. Like he's not even like a, a like a social democrat. Like he was a centrist that like hand wrung throughout the war until his son got killed in 1917 and they turned against it when Germany was already losing. Um, like that was his, uh, 
his big contribution. But, but it doesn't it. matter because someone's got to take the fall, right? Like, yeah, but it's just he's kind of he's kind of a perfect fall guy. Like he's he was known throughout um, Germany as like an opportunist, right? Like in the political system, like he was always the the fucking person at the center party, like um, that that's kind of you know like hand wringing about everything, like you know didn't really come out against the war until the last possible minute. So he gets he gets he was the Pete Buttigieg of his time. <laughs> he also he also uh you know looks like looks like this 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 guy this is a perfect fall guy like look at look at uh i'm just saying he, no he is the pete but like look, look at this guy this guy was the perfect i feel like german fall guy yeah uh yeah. just that like you know he looks like you could roll him down a hill Right, right. He, has that kind of, he has resting guilty face too. Yeah, he, he looks like the one. There's like those, those cartoons of the German yeah, I kid. I was gonna say, nice spectacles. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, Germany had the best spectacles back in 1910s. You know, you know that was one of the ones in 1934 weren't bad either. <laughs> <laughs> too soon. <laughs> Hey Lauren, why don't you uh, why don't you take us out of that? <laughs> I was just thinking about the glasses. <laughs> no, actually, one of my one of my favorite scenes in this movie was um, toward the beginning when it's after like the first like moments on the front, and his friend who has those like very like you know very <laughs> unique glasses when he finds them like just caked in the mud. And then he starts collecting people's dog tags after that. But that moment, like, really, I mean, there were lots of heartbreaking moments in the movie, but like that one just gutted me so early on that it just pretty much set the tone for like how I was going to feel for the rest of it. And it's just a pair of glasses. And it was really just like very, very, like, yeah, it really just set the tone. Um, I like, I feel like this is a, a like a pitch perfect, uh, representation of like scenes in the movie. Like they're actually meeting in a train compartment, um, in this with, with their French counterparts to like discuss negotiations at the end of everything. Like, so it's kind of, it's kind of fascinating that like, they really did pay that much attention to detail. Uh, mm -hmm. throughout the this is a, uh, yeah, yeah. Um, th this is a very uh well shot movie and i think it's up for cinematography i was i was just i was just looking it is right yeah it's gonna win it's it's assuredly gonna win for cinematography like and uh, it's either gonna be that or i don't know maybe we'll give it to avatar which is like what really but i don't know but i, I think it's gonna be this i think the international audience will push this one over are you guys going over avatar on the show no that's the, well, the only ones we're not going over <laughs> no. excellent okay good Good. Neither, yeah. neither Top Gun Maverick. Um, but yeah, no, I totally agree. The, cinem the cinematography. Okay, good. I yes, I approve. I approve of the omissions. Um, but yeah, the cinematography in this movie was just so like it, it was interesting because it was a very well shot movie. There were things that I've never seen before, but then there were also a lot of shots that I was like, that's Pads of Glory, that's the Painted Bird, that's Come and See. Yeah. You can definitely see where it borrows yeah. its influences from. Sometimes maybe even too much. And the score as well, I feel, really takes a lot of cues from um, some of those past movies, especially with their use of classical music. Um, there was and one Dune! I and <laughs> and Dune! Like, yeah! Also okay. Dune! Like, Dune. Hans Zimmer's, like, Classic Dune, which is Let's like, talk dude, about the there was a movie that just did that. 
<laughs> okay, here's the here's the thing though was I, I was talking to my husband about this was the, the three note blah which is which is what I call it um yeah. and like every time I hear like a three note blah I'm like some ass kicking's about to go down <laughs> like but that's not this movie so I was very confused and the three note blah was happening like it was foreboding but I also was like. Oh my gosh, are they going to show up with some Terminator shit? And then we just get a whole new twist. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, they sent the Terminator like, back. Too. Yeah, they're like, you thought. <laughs> you have not known. I'm I'm going to make sure nobody messes with Austria. Um, <laughs> um, so, so I'm going to let this guy defend himself, though. This is uh, the, the composer of the movie talking about scoring it. And I'm going to let him I'm going to let him do his own defense. Mm. In his defense. What you composed is, is still in my my nightmares, actually. I think we saw the film wah, some weeks wah, ago, so I know exactly how you're all feeling right now. It, please, how did you approach the project? How did you approach the script? What's your process? Well, um, I was remembering uh, when I read the script, I was remembering when I was I was remembering 19, when I watched Dune. Uh, uh, we still had um, the decision to make if you want to be soldiers or civil servants. Um, so we either had to go to the military or we had to be civil servants. And if you decide to be a civil servant, you had to write a long letter for a commission and you had to stand in front of them and explain them why you're not wanna go to war or why you wanna, don't wanna be a soldier. And when I was reading the script, I had the feeling that exactly this conflict that I had in that time when I wrote that letter, which was a very difficult letter for me because I had to, well, I talked with my parents about it, with my father, who was born in 1931. And uh, so we had a long conversation about that. Um, and in a way, when I was starting to write, sometimes, you know, I was crying because I had the feeling, um, you know, there was so much uh, already happened with people that were not able to decide. Or when they decided, like those boys, they were suddenly kept and uh, they couldn't flee. And I think one of the motives in my music, I would say, was that the situation that you are still hoping to see the warmth of home and you're longing for, let's say you see a light on the horizon, even though the horror is already on the, on the floor, but you still just see the light and you're like, this is where I want to go back home to. And the other motive was more the war machine that I felt when, and that was the first uh, theme, the is a harmonium from uh, my grand-grandmother. Um, and I wanted to use an instrument from that time. And uh, so I was pressing the was pumping paddles, which you hear sometimes you hear. That's the paddles from the harmonium. And I sent that uh, theme to Edward, uh, and then he, he wrote me back. Um, you know, you never know what you get back when you send something out. It can be like, oh man, go back home and try something else, which is the hardest thing because then you have to invent yourself again and sometimes you lose already your heart in the first try. And then it's very hard to go back and say, okay, my best thing that I gave you is not good enough. <laughs> so I have to uh, invent myself again. And um, when he wrote me back, he's, he was very enthusiastic. I, uh, you know, all, all uh, ropes were cut and I could fly.
<laughs> I, I was actually I, I uh, the, the tank moment where they have the dun, dun, and you see the tanks rolling in. That 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 was a good use of that. I think. Yeah, I I thought that that was really that was really perfect. And the thing is, like, so that's the thing is that it's like that sound also reminded me of, um, <laughs> like, the sounds that the aliens make in War of the Worlds, like the the shitty one with <laughs> the same like tone. So yeah. I was, just, so that's why I was completely like, whoa. But I thought that the use with the tanks was good because, like, to those soldiers, that is like an alien experience for them. So that yes. like, so yes. that really worked for me. They get. They should have gotten. Uh, they should <laughs> the first plane fly because they that one moment where like a plane flies above them and you see Oof. like oh like the planes are you know shelling them. They should have had, uh, fucking Tom Cruise flying. The plane <laughs> <laughs> like, they they never do. Them. They never do say what the country is that they're running the mission against. So yeah. <laughs> well, because there's, there's, there's the one there's the one trench right that they that they oh. invade the end. The trench has both. I'd be for it then. The, the trench has yeah. both uh, American soldiers, which you're supposed to know because there's like a black guy smoking a cigarette. Like they're like this is American. Like you you know this. And then but also French soldiers. So like they're all kind of in the trench together. Uh, of course, they've thrown the black guy into the trench with them because I guess you know frontline shit. But um, <laughs> like, all they're all they're all celebrating together. and like having a fucking party. <laughs> in the trench where they're uh you yeah. know they're all getting drunk in the trench and Woo. then they get invaded that's like the one american that you really see for sure right um, right yeah. <laughs> americans unless he was moroccan but i don't think so. i think he was <laughs> the next thinking. thing you know <laughs> <laughs> i i love the one the one uh french uh lieutenant like he's i think he's the like kind of um the same rank as cat or somebody like that right like the squad leader um i like that he kind of looks like inspector clouseau like, I didn't even think about that at the time, but that's funny. I can't unsee yeah. that now. <laughs> <laughs> so, I, Where's when that Conan started, when Conan started playing that uh sound, I, I imagined he actually had a real harmonium, like right there, and he's like <laughs> pumping it with his feet. Because if you've ever it's seen one of those desk, things play, yeah. it's, it's wild because because you get this foot pedal and you have to have like a desk set up, and, and you also have like a hand pump too. It's so, a full so body experience, to be clear. Yeah. And, and you, you got the arm going, and then you're playing it with your other hand. It's, yeah. it's, it's wild. We know it's was all you could get with that much work. <laughs> hey, he only needed the three notes. I mean, yeah, if you're getting paid by the note, that's great money. Like, I'm <laughs> in, let's go. <laughs> oh, guys, question. Which Speaking of Band of Brothers, which set of brothers are winning in a fight? The Skarsgars or the Culkins? This is, this, is, this is an after party thing. <laughs> this is 100% yeah. an after party question. Ooh, We're talking about. Okay. Yeah, I can't see the Colkins winning any kind of fight, but you know. Nobody wants nobody wants to tackle the naked man wearing the bunny <laughs> suit or whatever. <laughs> oh my god. Imagine someone in the film doing like something like that or wearing like a weird costume. <laughs> I think that would be a different film. But, yeah. Um. Yeah. I so so I like in this film, right? Before... Uh, uh, imagine if uh, uh, Benny Hill came dashing through, being chased by naked women. Yeah, it'd be a different movie, wouldn't it? Yeah. Well, you can you can do the Benny Hill theme uh, in the scene that I'm about to talk about. I like that the movie opens, um, and you're instantly in the fucking trench, right? And then um, you're you're in a scene that happens way later in the movie. You're in the scene where he jumps in through the trench. I think it happens like an hour into the movie. Um, and everybody's getting shot around him pretty much. Um, 
and like it's the exact same thing like the guy gets shot and he's like trying to wake him up and then he has to jump up and then you see him throw the grenade and then he keeps running um and like you know the machine guns are going and it's that scene where uh later on in the scene um the kid gets flamethrowered which is another terrifying fucking uh weapon of war that they deployed in this conflict like i don't think that they deployed too. those they didn't deploy flamethrowers again in world war ii like by the time that was happening i i think it was like a little bit more civilized like yeah maybe let's not uh just take a flamethrower and fucking elon musk somebody down like <laughs> yeah yeah it's and what we're going to be playing is this <laughs> Instantly screw up movie. (laughs) (laughs) I I bet it would be funny as fuck though that first scene where you're like in the trenches with them and he has to run out and you see everybody getting capped around him. Like you know what I mean? Like and then he throws the grenade. Like I feel like that would be a good scene to have the uh the Benny Hill <laughs> I I was uh, also thinking a lot that's about than, uh, Samuel Fuller in the in this movie because uh, yeah I, I love the the documentary the the typewriter the, uh, good, good reason Andy good on you <laughs> uh, I, I I can't remember the full name of the the, the documentary but the, the, there's a great uh, one of on Samuel Fuller. It's like typewriter, rifle, and something else. The cameraman. Uh, yeah. Uh, I've seen it. I remember what it's called, though. Um, yeah, yeah. So something like that. And, and my favorite moment is whenever he's like, "Um, when I make war films, I lie. When people get shot in my films, they just fall over." <laughs> and that's all I can, you know. So every single time somebody just falls over in the movie, I, I just had that, that's right. voice in my head, just just yelling that. It's like, but in real life, they just you know body parts going everywhere. <laughs> oh my god. So um, that's true, true Sam Fuller. Yeah. Something that I think I'm going to wait to play until the uh, after party because I'm I'm afraid of getting a copyright strike for it. Is that there's uh, the documentary, the making of documentary. They show the the mm. entire training and like the process of like actually ah, right. throwing these kids into the barbed wire, like into like the bar the barbed wire battlefield or whatever. Like they made them actually learn how to use the machine guns. Obviously, like. Uh, like old style machine guns like it's kind of fascinating but they have the entire behind it and i'm afraid that like we'll instantly get yeah (laughs) i'm afraid that we'll instantly get hit with the copyright strike take a shot every time conan plays that (laughs) oh man you won't make it to the end of the show well i'll I'll, I'll do that i got i got vodka for the after party so i'll you know i'll play i'll play the game yeah. <laughs> Hell yeah. I think I'll just make vodka. I just make a screwdriver, put some vodka in my lemonade. They were gonna say, I'll just make vodka. I was like, Whoa. just make vodka. Yeah. <laughs> you got all these potatoes. Like, what else are you gonna do? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. it's, it's the, you know, it's the German in here. But can, can like, we? I'll make anything. And Germans make don't anything get hungover. If you have, if 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 your DNA is mostly German, like you do not get hungover. You can handle just. Lots of alcohol in one night. Oh my my sister, for some reason, she just can't. No, couldn't be me. Okay, so having nothing to do with any of that, uh, mm-hmm. the crater scene. Can we talk about the crater scene, please? Because, mm, yes. uh, oof, please. Wow. God. That is some Gutted. heavy stuff. Yeah, I mean, that, that's like, oh, 
okay. Like, like, and, and, and it's, I mean, I feel like it could be acted out on a stage play, you know, it could be like, I don't know, like a yeah. theater stage or something. Right. But like, uh, but obviously the, the horror, the horror of everything around it, uh, just this accentuates the raw emotion. And again, the fact that like, these are, these kids are almost like interchangeable. It doesn't matter which side they're fighting for. You know, like it, it's just that the brutality, like the using like the helmet as a weapon and things like that. It's just it, it blows my mind. Like I, that's where I, again, that's where I was getting big come and see vibes out, out of it, too. I was I was like, oh, yeah, like this is, oh. you know, real real war is not exciting looking. It's nasty and full. Well, of mud and especially and shit. this war, right? Like This is before they yeah. choreographed it. I'm looking for a quote from the uh, from the book, though. Um, Choreograph, you say? <laughs> <laughs> okay now kill I, I i wrote i wrote down a uh, quote from the book that i'm looking for um <laughs> about the tanks and like tank. the the full uh destruction of them well lauren what do you think uh uh what do, what do you think about the the crater scene uh did, did was that deeply affecting for you too knowing that your internet is I've asked a question the person whose internet is not being great right now but here we are yeah I, uh, Sorry, like, my internet keeps coming in and out. So, yeah, that's um, fine. It's good now. So, so uh, from Sorry, a lot of horses talking, talking it's freezing great. Every no, time my internet keeps. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> that's fine. Um, from a mockery, the tanks have become a terrible weapon. Armored, they come rolling in in long lines. More than anything, they embody the horror of war. We do not see the guns that bombard us. The enemy lines of attacking infantry are men like ourselves. But these tanks are machines. They're caterpillars that run on. They're annihilation. They roll on without feeling into the craters and out without stopping. Is uh, you know a particularly affecting, uh, I think, passage from the from the novel. Yeah. How many of y'all had to read the novel for like school or anything? I didn't. Did you have to? I, no, we we read and when it came to like German related like war like we had to read Night by Elie Wiesel mm -hmm. about his time yeah. in the uh, concentration camps during the Holocaust. Mm -hmm. And then we did the play for like we read over the diary of Anne Frank. We didn't really go over like World War One. I don't know what yeah, it's about I, the I South, same, but we're more focused same. on World War II down here, which I'm like, is it to compensate for the Civil War? <laughs> for my, like, I think I had to read All Quiet on the Western Front my sophomore year. And what was really interesting about it is I feel like now, now that I've seen, like, seen the 1930s oh then if i cut out or not um but for the um i want to reread the book because when i um when i read the book i was in sophomore year of high school it was right after we had done the things they carried and that book was really uh, like affecting for me and so I was just processing like my time with the things they carried. And then they're like, and now on to world war one. And I was just like, I'm tired and burnt out. And I just, I don't know how to like process this. So I kind of tuned myself out of just the, the sheer brutality of it because like, they just literally like just, they doubled up on the war yeah. book. And nowadays they just show wonder woman. <laughs> yeah well you know it's, and then uh, after that we read like a mid it's uh it's it's 
<laughs> it's it's Ron DeSantis's new, uh, you know, uh, woke woke movies and school program. They're like, you know, you, you can only watch. Have, did you guys ever read my brother Sam is dead? No. It has this quote that is that sticks in my mind. It's this quote is "War turns men into beasts." Oh, that's a good line. I mean, getting that power, you're gonna end up, you know gleefully murdering civilians too while you're at it like yeah there's there's a lot of uh lines like that also in all quiet on the western front like um throughout yeah. it there, there's a lot of lines about you know um losing your humanity and the like the full toll that war took on you i like i like wrote down a bunch of them so i could come back to them but i was stupid and wrote them in like tweet form so like, i have to try to get back to them um yeah so uh here on the borders of death life follows an amazingly simple course uh, it is limited to what is most necessary. All else is buried in gloomy sleep. In that, besides our primitiveness and our survival, we are more subtle. If we were more subtly differentiated, we would long since have gone mad, have deserted, or have fallen. It's kind That's of another, uh, you know, men, like men into beasts, a very affecting thing. I think this this movie does a really good job um, with the novel because, like, you know, li- like reading like reading through the novel yesterday or listening through the novel yesterday, um, I noticed that a lot of the dialogue in the in the movie is taken but then kind of dispersed throughout other like the dialogue is the same like they use quotes directly from the book the conversations are directly from the book but they they disperse them out through different scenes um and, and make them kind of flow better as opposed to like this personal narrative uh version of it which i think is a great way to do it and i, and I think that the breaks uh in the movie where you know you go to see Erzberger and like um the french kind of doing this whole deal and also you know uh he gets the okay from hindenburg who ends up being the guy that hands the chancellery to hitler later um it's kind of it's it's kind of deeply fascinating like it it, it gives you a like such a um a break and such a you know uh a deviation from this which the book does too but it's a personal narrative so you get a break where he like goes home and sees his family and gets put on leave or goes to the hospital like you get those kinds of breaks and instead of doing that this movie kind of gave you the the train scenes yeah i was gonna say you get the train scenes and then you get like the the dalliances in the farm right uh like you get a few small breaks but they're not there's not there's not much of it really um and, and then like you know like what i like though is like when you get to things like the transient and like they're you know bitching about food and stuff and like they're still talking about like very um t- tactile uh needs and, and but you get you don't but it's not overdone it's not it's not like it's not like boy it sucks that there's nothing to eat anywhere and that we're all very hungry it's like you it, it shows you rather than telling you yeah, which the book obviously has to tell you rather than show you. <laughs> well, I mean, yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, like, you don't have an option when it's a book, but uh, but, but stuff I think like, they do. Stuff like the, the the line where he's like turnip bread, where you get turnips for like that taken directly <laughs> from from the uh, you know it, in the in the book version, uh, recruits cut like new recruits or whatever because they just feed like the book makes it very very clear they're just feeding these kids into the machine like every time like they'll get a bunch of new recruits and just mow them down and when, so, when they're like, not feeding them turnip bread apparently, <laughs> but yeah. like. In the book, uh, they like t- explain to the kid, like, "Oh, don't worry, you get turnip bread, turnip bread for lunch." Like that exact line, but it's taken into the movie into like a, a much more, um, uh, I, like I think I think of an organic context rather than kind of making sure that you know, like, "Hey, turnip bread," they're getting turnip bread. How about that turnip bread? <laughs> What's the deal, the deal with all this turnip bread? <laughs> all these turnips are turning into bread. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I what, think yeah, yeah. Go I was ahead. gonna say, Lauren. I know you've been having some 
internet problems. Did you want to chime in on any of that before we move on? Yeah, no, I think I think specifically definitely. Turner bread only related commentary. I mean, yeah. like, I don't think I would eat turnip bread. That's my contribution. That's horrible. Turn it up. Let's get this bread. <laughs> um, I, I think that the, the the book also makes clear, which in the movie, in the movie, uh, you know, they kind of compare this like rich lifestyle that the fucking general's living, or like you know the train. What uh, one of the things they do to fuck with everyone is they give them the old scones that are like like are, are these scones made today? And they're like no. And he takes the scones and just like you know gives it to them anyway. He's like good, 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 good. Like give them the old scones. Um, the the book makes it clear that everybody's starving everywhere. Like he gets right. to go home for two weeks, which. It's really mean to do to, like to do to somebody, right? Like he gets to leave the front and go home for two weeks and hang out with his family and then go back to the front. And it's like, and you know, he like a lot of the book is him complaining about that, being you know, like, how demoralizing, was, like to have yeah. a taste of freedom and have it ripped away from you. Like that's like that's almost more mentally breaking than just never getting to go home. And so, yeah, exactly, and, and he it's, it's, says it's that. Cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, I, well, hundred percent, and, and like. You know, then they still have to go back afterwards, which which is so astounding. And and you get a a hint for like just how things are when you ever deal with the farmers, like when they steal the uh, when they steal the goose, and like literally, no, they're shooting at them, and they and they and they're shooting they hit, too. <laughs> like like they're yeah. not like here's a warning shot. It's like no no, if it, they're they're just a bad shot. <laughs> but like I, I like how yeah. they basically opened up another battlefield though between them and yeah. the farmers. It's like right. <laughs> well, they kept going back, and that was and that was that was sort of like yeah, that was. If they hadn't gone back, you know, again, and and by the way, as someone who despises eggs, like I don't eat them. I used to be allergic when I was a kid. I was like, really for eggs, really, really. He does the same. Rocky too, and he. he does I just eat scrambled and, uh... eggs, nothing else. <laughs> well, they were um, scrambled after he got shot. <laughs> well, so, but, so the book makes Not it clear throughout. Um, no eggs in this economy. The hard way. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> like he goes home to his family and his family is also starving um and like yeah. you know there's there's a lot of beer like he gets keep like they keep trying yeah, to hang beers but like yeah, yeah. um but like the, the family is kind of completely starving and uh you know he, the mother has cancer he comes back and they're like oh by the way mom has cancer again and we didn't want to worry you up in the front but yeah so like you you realize and the the dad's complaining about um how he can't afford to put her in the hospital and he doesn't know if he can afford the surgery and like so there's all these economic concerns uh on the home front that are going on at the same time the movie instead focuses on you know the good life that uh i mean well maybe not Erzberger getting the old scones but like at least the general and um brixdorf which isn't really i like that name he's like brixdorf get in here what are you what are you, what are you doing <laughs> what are you up to get your ass in here but that like building right and it's behind us is like a i mean it's kind of like deserted and kind of old in this but like it's it's a nice like he gets to just stay in that building and of course he's uh completely you know isolated from the front and anything actually going on because he's just kind of in that fucking weird palace like living yeah. it up with brixdorf Living it up with Brickstorf. Exactly. <laughs> I, I, I mean, but but again, you see that that divide between um, the people actually fighting the war and the people moving the pieces around. And I think that a lot of films attempt to do that, but I, I think it's very eloquently shown here. And just how arbitrary and petty some of the decisions can be. Like, can we just talk about how they're like, yeah, hey, so there's going to be an armistice, but uh, we don't want to be too embarrassed, so we're going to do one last battle, and we're going to win this one. And everyone's Yay. like, no, we don't want to do that. We don't want to. We want to stop fighting like right now. We would like to not do that. Well, you have to, though. 
And and they made clear that like people are deserting and they're just running around yeah. the countryside, which I mean was the, the point of having the gendarme was like that if people did that, like they'd get court court martialed and shot. Um and I guess not that many people got shot throughout the the the, the entirety of it, but like you could overwhelm overwhelm the gendarme just by kind of uh having enough people desert at the same time. And it seems like that was right. what was going on. But it's just so horrific. Just to, I mean, again, and like war is horrific, but like, like, Hey, it's over, but not quite like it's here's over we're, in we're six gonna, hours. We're going to need you to go back <laughs> into the burning building. Uh, you know, to, to go, to go get my stamp collection. What? No, fuck your stamp collection. I, al I also love that. <laughs> I also love that at 11 o'clock, they really do disperse the, like, they're like, all right, like it's 11 o'clock guns yeah. down. Like yeah. you'd assume that like maybe some fighting would still take place or something, but, and, yeah. and of course it's to show you how um, horrific it is that like he got killed. Like he got, got like, he got, he got killed like right before the buzzer. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Which, which, which is again, um, uh, horrible but like doubly horrible in the fact that that was completely preventable like that was just because like well this is already gonna be embarrassing we know we negotiated a bad deal we let the you know we let them go this long like what's one more battle because they're not thinking about it in terms of the appreciable loss of life they're thinking about it in terms of assets and strategy and uh you know how embarrassed they will be right as as a military and their and their government and that and again it you cannot underrepresent how often poor decisions are made in government and military by people's not wanting to be embarrassed and well and, and it's so futile um like like it's kind of petty and futile right like and, and the entirety of the front is like it's constantly you're getting uh a hundred feet there a hundred feet there a hundred you know what i mean like the, yeah. the ground you're gaining is literally measured in, in inches and feet yeah yeah, yeah. or your so, whatever so this centimeters is like, and like, meters whatever you, know, you want to get no man no man's land i almost said nomad land you want to get no man's land. <laughs> you want to get no man's land between yourself and the, you know, the French, which isn't going to matter when they actually argue through an armistice because, like, they're they're arguing over large territories. You know what I mean? Like, they're not going to be like, well, I guess you keep this plane. Like, Latier is yours. Like, I guess. Like, no. Like, you're going to lose yeah. everything. Like, you you lose all of this. Like, it's a it's a show of, I guess, military um, power in his mind, but like, it's not like you, you, well, it, not, it is even not, effective as that. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's like not even like, it, it's an attempted show of power, but it's, it's, it's feckless and like a literal waste of life. And, and that's what makes it so gnarly is that like, think, think about like, what are the cumulative political results of this? Right. Again, a national embarrassment so deep that you have like the rise of literal Hitler. <laughs> like, who, like, who no, is, no, the actual Hitler, the movement that, that spawned Hitler, which came out of a national embarrassment, and the fact that that they're like, we don't want to live with this for the rest of our days. We need to rebuild our pride. How do we do that? Well, and again, this is this is where it's going to seem like a weird analogy, but why I have such a problem with shame being the only tool in the uh, toolbox when people uh, go after folks trying to get consequences for their uh, speech or actions, which in fact, if you only have shame in there, what's going to happen is that you're going to build resentment. It does. It's not going to, you're not going to learn a lesson. They're not going to learn lessons of any kind. They're just going to be resentful. About it. Well, and, and the, the, the entire uh, Fry Corps, which is the, you know, the, um, the, the paramilitary organization that spawned into the Nazi party that was empowered by the SPD who ended up being the, you know, the winners of the, the conflict pretty much um, like as a paramilitary force to take out both right. like communists and unions. Um, they were just the affected soldiers, like the people that were pretty much sent into, you know, into the trenches at the end, like in mass or whatever, like they obviously, you know, you're shell shocked and you have PTSD, which isn't even recognized yet. 
and you know you can't yeah. like measure back into society you've seen things that are too horrific you're also reactionary to the point of like you know you're just a soldier right like you're, you're told go here go there like um so people that continued to need that battle and continued to kind of be utilized by political you know pawns as this force eventually rose up on their own through hitler who was another uh you know one of those small fry fucking um world war one veteran veterans right like he was he was in that conflict and if you look at him he's like small and he's a shrimpy and like you can see how that person would have grown into the the cult of personality that is hitler and been uh you know fully empowered by 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 all of that he probably right? probably an experience along the lines of when they're like just going hand to hand in the mud and like you know like you he's like getting to drown in the mud and he's like reaching for the gun probably saw some of that probably didn't experience it but probably saw some of it It was like we can't have this happen again which led to you know some stuff we gotta take back pretty much everything that we lost in this conflict like this is unfair like it's pretty much building back the the military force to demand that it's building um... back better really (laughs) sorry too soon (laughs) jack (laughs) Come on now, fat. <laughs> Corn pop was a bad dude. Do not. <laughs> what is that accent? Whatever it is, I to, I was save to it for the after party. I was trying to do like a yelling German voice. <laughs> yeah, well, men have. You sounded more like the Iron Sheik, frankly, but I'm not. Yeah. <laughs> Which is not the worst thing to sound like if you're. <laughs> anyway, uh, yeah. Uh, so, uh, Lauren, any thoughts on uh, the the end or or nigh end of this film? <laughs> um, I personally, I like the ending or the or the non ending. Um, I I like when war films just don't really. I like when they don't really like conclude. <laughs> just like when they don't conclude, because like. <laughs> I, I mean, like, it's 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 a cyclical thing. It's like one thing ends, another thing begins. Like, there are no breaks. There is no conclusion. It's going to keep yeah. going regardless of who's in the conflict or where or what time or what technology we have access to. So I think that the, the way that the... Um, I think the way that the film ended and just the tone that it ended on just seemed correct to me. Yeah, and, and you know, I think it actually, uh, it's one of the few ones you'll hear me uh, not bitch about the runtime for because I think it works. I think I so, think too. That. Yes. And, and there's a lot of movies that, like, even ones that I like where it's like, all right, wrap it up. You know, it's, it's no, like, no, there's no fat in this movie. <laughs> right. <laughs> It's, that's how i felt well, when i watched no dunkirk like i was like when i was watching dunkirk i was just like okay come on now. by the way christopher nolan like wishes wishes he could have done with dunkirk what they were able to do in this movie including the oh, thing yeah. of blah like mm-hmm. <laughs> i was like Conan, yeah. <laughs> um, Yo, it's gonna be crazy when they start doing like a dubstep remix of that or something, and like, the Western Front shit. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I could. Probably, I mean, it's quiet enough for the Western Front, right? Um, I could. I could. I could. You I can could, hear it. Yeah. <laughs> It's quite enough to hear it on the Western. Front. Maybe that. Maybe maybe I'll try that for the after party. I'm not going to try to do flash composition on the show with one hand. 
I'm impressive. I'm not that impressive. <laughs> Yo, with with the way Germans talk, though, there's no way it was quiet on the Western Front. Like, let, let's be honest. Like, oh. <laughs> projection uh, on the Western Front. <laughs> <laughs> shall we? Uh, shall we go to the Letterbox one liners? Yeah, let's, let's do, do it. it. All right. Well, Letterbox, of course, is a uh, please. It's a social media site for film lovers. Uh, they get to talk at with and to each other about the films they love, the films they didn't love, the films that they had a three-note bass soundtrack to. Uh, of course, you can find many awesome friends and fans of films, such as our friend Lauren down there, who uh, I found through Letterboxd, and uh, happy I am. Lonely Please. Goat Herd. Come follow me. I'll follow you back. Yes. Uh, of course, uh the uh all kinds all breaths of opinions uh length and width of them and uh, everybody gets to have their say not just siskels and eberts of the world everybody gets to chime in everybody gets to work on their tight five in front of the brick wall everybody gets to do that ideally as succinctly as possible for the purposes of this bit it's always a blast to try to do this for something really horrifying like a war movie but uh here we go these are the letterbox one-liners for all quiet on the western front let's go baby wait till you see what i chose for the uh for the graphics oh fantastic oh, oh. <laughs> <laughs> are you my mommy oh sorry <laughs> moral of the story don't fucking steal eggs yeah. Uh, well, actually, in a time like this, we should. I was be gonna say, eggs. eggs are ten dollars each. Steal eggs, just do it. I'm yeah, yeah, but it. but steal right, it from move. the supermarkets, not the not the uh, petty bourgeois farmers. Oh yes, yeah. no. I no. they're not even petty. They're just kind of farmers, like they're peasant farmers. Like that, it must suck to have your farm like right along the battlefield, though. Like, uh, <laughs> like the inflation was insane. <laughs> that's why they had the gas mask and by the way as someone who actively dislikes eggs i was like really over eggs but you know, <laughs> i get it over easy let me tell you <laughs> man i'm really starting to think the war is bad <laughs> yeah who would have thought it huh war is hell am i right yeah, yeah. I like like you know the uh the godard quote that's like uh you know there's no such thing as an anti-war film um, yeah. I'd, I'd like to see somebody make the case that this that this film, right, the most pretty much one of the most horrific things that I've seen. I mean, beautifully shot, but like horrific. Like, I'd like to see somebody make the case that this makes them excited for war in any capacity. Oh, like, yeah, I think I think he made that quote before "Come and See," before "Full Metal, Metal Jacket," before this, obviously. Um, yeah, like it's at the time. At the time, he was correct because because the thing is, like, there was uh, the the '30s all quiet in the Western Front had some kind of, you know, overt sentimentality. I don't know. I don't want to get into. But, you know, yeah, this is completely devoid of sentimentality. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Base boosted farts does not make for a good score, but I guess they do for Oscar nomination. <laughs> All right, Conan. <laughs> <laughs> it, like the, the, that that specific sting kind of took me out of it every time too, because it's like it's industrial music, right? Like it's it's that that's not anything that would have been on the western front like <laughs> they make a lot of use of uh music in in the book like you know he plays the piano like at one point he's in a place where uh there's russian prison prisoners and the prisoner has a violin which i guess that's like you know reaching across the aisle there or whatever like uh it's kind of reaching across the orchestra if you will yeah <laughs> <laughs> 
But I mean, World War One was full of moments like that, where where people like you know the the soldiers found peace amongst each other, and not the uh... well because nobody really knew or like no like no normal soldier had any idea what they were fighting about. Like you know what I mean? Like they're just like, oh, you want to give up your life for the fatherland? It's like. Yeah, I guess. Like, I mean, I don't, I don't really know what that means for me going forward, but I don't know. I don't think anybody knew what the war's about, even to this day. Yeah. Those three bass notes are permanently tattooed in my ears now. Conan. <laughs> <laughs> hey. Live, I did not laugh. have this as a prepared bit, by the way. This was not a prepared bit. This is Live, a laugh, love. <laughs> <laughs> well, this utterly failed the Bechdel test. Yeah, I'll say. <laughs> the the only the only women are like walking by, and he's like, "Hey, women!" And then he disappears with them. I I love I love the look on uh, that kid's face though. He leaves with the women, and he's like, "Oh, he he's really oh all right." And yeah, yeah. Like, ben Shapiro's oh, like, "Wait, I'm not gonna like, get any." <laughs> I legitimately I needed that moment because everything was so heavy, and then I was like, "I would have done it." <laughs> In the uh, in the book, there's enough women for you know all of them except for uh, Tajin or whatever. <laughs> yeah. <clears throat> when you come to my Western Front, you better shut the fuck up. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> it, it would be funny to have the uh, the John Wayne all quiet on the Western Front, where he's like. It's at it's awful my western quiet. front pilgrim. <laughs> it's awful <laughs> quiet out here, pilgrim. <laughs> Bilbo Ballin is the name of that uh, of that user, by the way. Can we go back? Thank uh, you. Thank you. I love Thank that. you, Bilbo Ballin. <laughs> Let's get these rings. <laughs> I would be so bad at war. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Hard, you know what? Hard same, really. Yeah. Not but see, all those kids would have been bad at war. And in the end, they were soldiers, but also, you know, thrown into the industrial grinder. So it, it truly is like a like it's a, it's a very German fucking concept, like literally just taking kids and throwing them into like a literal fucking industrial grinder. I feel like my grandma would tell me stories about like the witch that, you know, ate children's bones or whatever. And this is like the real version of that, like the tanks. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yep, It is very German. German Grim, Grimm's fairy tales, Grim Western Front. It all it's all tracking. It's all, it's all very grim. It's all, it's all I usually all grim on the Western Front. <laughs> My dad not falling asleep means this is a good war film. And that's mm. well, you can't fall asleep during this film because you're gonna have nightmares about you know. Literally seeing the carnage of <laughs> industrial no, no, war. It goes back to my thing that I've said all throughout the month. Every time this this movie is mentioned, right? It's it's you got to got to keep me engaged. You got to keep me engaged. And uh, that's why there's no fat in this movie. And also, you know, they they really just don't have food. But they did. They're all. I was getting they, they, they were lean for other reasons. Is where I was going to go with that. But it's the same thing. Yeah. <laughs> we're really in the renaissance of mud on screen. <laughs> no, but really though, yeah. it was a, that was some excellent mud cosmetic, like best makeup, B best mud acting, yeah. yeah, yeah, best best mud in a serious best motion mud picture, acting. Yeah. We're we're going well, it was really a uh... renaissance and a mud renaissance right now, and I'm here for both of this. <laughs> yes, that's true. It was it was really uh, Gwyneth Paltrow doing the uh, you know goop or whatever her her brand is. Oh, oh, she really she really oh. brought us into the into the mud renaissance. I'm looking forward to mud donkeys. <laughs> but, wait, air mud. It's it's air mud. It's... <laughs> air mud. 
<laughs> Air Bud. That's that's a callback to it. Was that the, was that the Argentina 1985 episode? What did we do? Yeah, there, we really yeah. didn't have much uh, much prep, and I was watching it up till the last little bit. Oh I, there was a lot of Air Bud material, though. I know that much. Anyway, <laughs> man, if only those guys had seen 1917, they could have avoided all this. <laughs> Except so this started in 1914, and they had to travel in time. You know what I mean? Like, and well, actually. Just- um, um, actually, um, actually, uh, by the way, uh, I, I, I characterize 1917 as George McKay runs around urgently for two and a half hours, but and it looks beautiful. And that's basically the film. Uh, True. But anyway, those are letterbox one-liners for All Quiet on the Western Front. Of course, of course, of course, please follow the show, which is Comrade Forrest over there, Quiet Quitting on the Western Front at Movie Night Extravaganza. Follow the show over there, please. I am the Armed Response Farm Coalition at Conan Neutron, all over that biz, doing the highbrow, midbrow, populist stuff. Follow me along for the Criterion Challenge, uh, if you dare. If you dare. Uh, Jay Andrew, all out in the Western gear down there, is watching all the weirdest stuff, so you don't have to. Or maybe see it, Kim. I don't know. We'll, you know, it's up to you. So I'm not, who am I to judge? He's watching it, though, either way, whether you're there or not. It's like the Eisenberg effect. Uh, General Baldy McMustache over there not only wants your respect, <laughs> but wants your acclaim for when she deigns to come back and uh, do some more logging on Letterboxd because she does it only for limited series events, I think they call them now. I think that was the Twin Peaks thing, right? That's what they said, yeah. limited series event. Mm-hmm. And of course, of course, my very good friend, uh, Lauren is Lonely Goat Herd over there. She has one yes. of the best Letterboxd accounts and you should oh, follow thanks. her. Yeah. <laughs> I, I'm, I am I am legitimately a fan and was a fan for a long time before she was ever on the show. Uh, she is great. <laughs> All out in the Western gear. Please, please, please take us away with the plugs. All right. You're watching us on YouTube, so please do those YouTube things. Like, comment, subscribe, hit that bell. And the big ask is to watch the video to the end because that helps other movie fans find our content. And you get access. You get to hear that great Conan Neutron song. No, the other one. <laughs> Oh, okay. <laughs> Funny um, thing about that, I didn't have it ready. I was like, oh, I got to get it real quick. Because <laughs> I knew we were going with it. Uh, we're also on Twitch, so please do the Twitch things. Throw us a sub. Um, if you have an Amazon Prime account, um, you can subscribe to our channel for free. That helps us out and doesn't cost you a penny. Exactly. Yes. Um, I, I, I can't do that because I subscribe oh. to Christina, so I, I can't do it. But. <laughs> Um, we're on uh, uh, Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. So if you want more content uh, from us, uh, check us out there. We, we also have a, a Twitter community, too. So, so you know, we've got things happening in other places. we got things happening on dead mediums. Yes. Yes. <laughs> hey, well, until Mastodon takes off, what do you want? Whenever oh, yeah, that yeah. happens. Yeah, exactly. We're on that, too, aren't we? I don't know. Friends, MySpace, MP3.com, Pets.com. We're all over it. Yes. Neopets, E-Bombs World. (laughs) Hamster Dance. We're on that somehow. I don't know. It's Hamster Dance. It's it's crazy. (laughs) We we have a Patreon um, where, where, uh, you know, you can actually catch us do the Hamster Dance. uh, If you're a, uh, no, we don't do Hamster Dances on uh, Or maybe we do. You don't know because you're not a patron. If you yes. subscribe, if you, give you will enough, know when we you do can get enough. <laughs> exactly. But the exactly. big thing is, is you Thank can have you. access to the after parties we do forever. 
After, after party, party forever. After, after party forever. <laughs> it never gets old. It doesn't. We never. We also never ever get to do the song in sync. Like no, <laughs> it's it's. Someone gotta go and a one and a two and, a two. and, and, and I guess and, 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 and like as a musician here maybe I could do we that. Still get yeah, yeah. You can, you can play like that that little whistle thing that that gets everybody yeah, in harmony. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And a yeah. one and a two and I, I like that all these suggestions are more work for me. I like that. Yeah. <laughs> the barbershop like, the the of well, you know that's because you are the musician. Of the group here, and uh, I'm, I'm a bass. Right. I'm a bass. You don't know me. You don't know me. I am a composer. I compose. <laughs> you know what I compose? <laughs> I made thirty-three thousand dollars for every one of those notes. <laughs> now the good news is, if you want more of that kind of music, um, you can go to futronfriendsonbandcamp.com, and it's not there. There's actually good stuff. They... <laughs> we see where you're going with that. Yeah. yeah. It is a, uh, the new Colin Neutron and the Secret Friends record. All right, ton, ton, ton. It is the, the record that <laughs> I, I sent I sent the record to Conan and he said it was good. So uh, they put it in the movie and so the tank, the, the tanks, the tanks came in and I heard my song and I heard Secret Friends and there we were. So minimal, it's almost not there. <laughs> that guy that guy was honestly so minimal he was almost not there <laughs> look look I, i'm not trying to play or hate or anything but it was, it was like yeah did you see dune i feel like you might have seen dune <laughs> i was watching dune, i was watching dune right? and i and i thought to myself this would make an excellent war movie soundtrack so i copied it <laughs> It's like when Vanilla Ice tried to claim that uh, he wasn't doing it under pressure. I was like, no, no. See, the thing he is, mine goes. Too. <laughs> totally different. Totally, totally right. different. There's an extra note. All right, note. stop. Collaborate and listen. Ice is back with a brand new invention. <laughs> Something to get a hold of me tightly. Swim like a top. Daily and nightly. Will it help stop? No, I don't know. <laughs> Turn off the lights. And I'll glow. <laughs> you guys know but it's because so of the radioactivity, <laughs> actually. Uh, yeah, yes. I'm. I'm if you want to see commitment to it's the, the bit secret like that, of the use. Yeah, go, go to the after party for after party. <laughs> yes, uh, but but also there's a great show called uh, Conan Neutron's Protonic Reversal. Oh, yeah. You should check yeah. out. Um, who, who's coming up this week? It's, it's exactly the same as when you asked me on Friday because it happens on Thursday. So it's it's <laughs> Russell Simmons of Blues Explosion and Service, and that should be great. Uh, and of course, the Rose Marshak episode uh, from Poster Children, who she wrote a great book called Play Like a Man, that's up in the general feed now. So it's, it's not just for patrons anymore. And, and both days, that, uh, when I asked that question, I thought you were going to say Blues Hammer both times. <laughs> <laughs> if you like blues, you'll love Blues Hammer. Yes. <laughs> when, when are you going to get a big guest like uh, the guy that, that wrote uh, Dun Dun Dun? <laughs> yeah, well, when's Zimmer coming on? It's, it's coming Co on. Conan, Never. Conan, <laughs> Conan thank, you so much. Thank, thank you so much for having me on. Um, when, when, I, when I wrote Dun Dun Dun, I, uh, you know, I, I, did, I did not think I would be on the famous uh, Conan Neutron Protonic Reversal podcast. But uh, here I am. Here you are. Just, Dreams just, do come. Just years later, and it just it feels so good, and it's better than the Oscar nomination I got. <laughs> Who can forget? <laughs> Everyone remembers where they were when they heard it. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> 
Uh, I think Where we are we? Is yeah, it, I still in mine. We, okay. <laughs> did, you, did we finish you up? <laughs> I think we got everything. Um, uh, so Christina, oh, yeah, you, you can subscribe to the Patreon too. That's yes, yes, yes. The Patreon. You get um, it's only a dollar, folks. One dollar. The uh, episodes early, which is a big deal. Yes. Um, yes. And then uh, Christina's over there uh, with her Twitch channel. <laughs> Yeah, Christina's over there. Yeah, she is. Yeah, thanks for acknowledging her. Oh, hey, hey. <laughs> show hey. her some respect, would you? <laughs> Did you have anything uh, coming up on Twitch that we should know uh, about? Or? We're probably gonna go over. Well, well actually, this week, uh, fun, fun uh, Monday street. Yeah, Monday, right? Yeah, we went over the history of porn. Mm. Oh. It was a lot of fun. Some guy was fucking, and he's like, "Yo, what if I film this though?" That's exactly. That. No, no, no. Seriously, like, like we talked about the history of how it was like calligraphy, the photography, nights, pretty much the videos. Like, they talked about deep throat. I'm like, guys, 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 this is when they talk about deep throat, and they're like, "Why are you getting so excited?" I'm like, because. Mm-hmm. I've seen all the presidents, man. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, 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 okay. But yeah, we're, then oh, we'll you, find you, You're talking about the X Files, right? Tomorrow. First season? Huh? Yeah. What? I, I, I imagine the history of. Uh, a- Andy history made, of a, made, made a similar but worse joke than I did. Don't worry about it. Uh, I imagine the history of pornography started when like two cavemen were like hanging out there and he's like, Guess what I did last night? And he's like, What? And he drew like, you started know, carving like, in the, uh, yeah. <laughs> the cave. That's exactly <laughs> what happened. I, I, I love, um, there's this uh, uh, comedy troupe out of Canada, and they said that- I can't uh, wait to see when this is done. The internet <laughs> was invented in 1956 because high-ranking military officials wanted to have access to porn in case of a nuclear emergency. Oh. I got to run one out real quick. The nukes are about to drop. I got 10 minutes. Exactly. <laughs> Honestly. Tracks. <laughs> I, I'm gonna I'm gonna think about that. I'm gonna think about that countdown nuclear clock entirely differently now. <laughs> uh, but also while you're at it, uh buy Christina a coffee. Go to go to uh kofi.com slash cosma. Is that right? Cosmopolitics. Cosmopolitics, sorry. And I got a throne account, which is where you can buy me stuff. So if you want to give me something, throne.me slash cosmopolitics. Because there, there we go. I'm Th- on the thr- throne. throne, like watch the throne. Like, no, like, out to the throne. It's just like a wish list place where people could donate, buy stuff off my Amazon wish list, and stuff okay. like that. But it, but it's called Throne. Yeah, Throne, like Game uh, of Thrones. Okay, but if this no, is no game, like, people give it to her immediately. Yeah, <laughs> I got I got to redecorate my streaming space, guys. Come on, exactly. Now. She's she's, she's got expensive. Like Eleven bucks. <laughs> show some respect and show some Squilla. Thank you. <laughs> All right. Make sure you do that. And Lauren, is there anything <laughs> you want to plug? <laughs> um, y'all can just follow me on Letterboxd. Um, I'm actually, so I try to do like theme, I'm trying to do themed months. So um, we're wrapping up um, Black History Month where I am watching films that um, are positive Black stories, um, not just about pain and suffering and slavery, but really just showcasing like, queer black women's stories and things like that um so if you want to finish up the month with me and get some of those wrecks then um holler at me also next month usually i do something for women's history month um but i'm gonna do something a little bit different this year because i want to highlight disability awareness month in march so my um hope is to find some uh movies that are um realistic 
uh, positive, but not like inspiration porn, disability um, uh, uh, centered films and documentaries. So um, just subscribe to my letterbox and then I'll make a list of those films if you want to follow along with me and uh, we can get woke together or whatever. <laughs> Lauren's Lauren's lists are very good. Uh, I've I've found many good recommendations from Lauren. Also, she is known for uh, making note of when certain features are leaving services, like when something's leaving yes. Hulu or Criterion Channel or whatnot. And that is an incredibly useful. Uh, What's the I am I am doing a service for the people. <laughs> right. She also has a list called Hedonistic Nuns, relevant to my interests. Oh, yeah. I have to add on to my Hedonistic Nuns. I just watched a good one this week. (laughs) Always room for more. What was it? New Nuns? There certainly is. (laughs) (laughs) It was literally called The Nun. Okay. I was like, this is going Hedonistic Nuns. The Nun, yeah. Nuns with buns. <laughs> I thought that was Benedetta. Anyway, are we are we done? Is that it? No, I got yeah. one more thing. I got I gotta bring oh, yeah. everything back down a little bit because because we're oh, getting Jesus. too silly. Okay. Um, no, it's it's Oscar season. Uh, Oscar season always makes me think of uh, my friend Eric who took his own life. So uh, I just want to put it out there. Um, if you are in need, there are uh, people who you can talk to. So uh, please, uh, you can call nine eight eight or or text nine eight eight for from any phone. Uh, well can't text from any phone but you know what i'm saying like like you call or text that number get a hold of somebody um if you uh you need just the national number it's 1-800-273-8255 there is a trans lifeline uh 1-877-565-8860 there's the trevor lifeline for lgbq youth if i can say that one i always screw that one up somehow but yeah there we go the trevor lifeline for lgbq youth um, that's a one eight six six four eight eight seven three eight six. And finally, I got a veterans hotline for you. It is a one eight hundred two seven three eight two five five, and then press one. Thank you. There you go. Amazing resources. Thanks for sharing them. All right, uh, Lauren, you got some final thoughts about this movie? <laughs> um, final thoughts. I think as far as war films go, um, you know, I, I always say a lot of war films for me, like can just go into a landfill and they all kind of just congeal together. I would say this film is more similar to me that uh, on how I felt when I saw Come and See. Um, I think the realism of World War One has never been depicted better. And I like um, just the kind of up close and personal stories that we get from each of the characters. I really hope that that trend continues in uh, filmmaking rather than just making war films that are based upon spectacle and um, nationalism. So, which and I think this movie utilizes the spectacle in a way that's like, uh, I mean, like mm-hmm. at least the, the, the way it's stylized. Yeah, yeah, yeah without kind of making it the whole thing. I mean, because, you know, there's there's no way to make this story uh, nationalistic or something if you're on the German side. Like, it led to a lot of bad shit. 
Um, I, here, here's a b- before we move on. This is from the comments. Can I push in a last movie question? Which one is better for you all? That 1917 movie from a few years ago, or the latest All Quiet? Cheers. Uh, no question. All Quiet. I think yeah. 1917 looks amazing. Uh, this is a better film. Roger Deakins. How's yeah, it not going to look amazing? It's Roger Deakins. It's like the best in the game. It looks incredible. It's beautiful. But this is a better film by far. But uh, Christina, final thoughts. Ein wunderbar Kriegsfilm. Sehr gut, sehr gut, sehr good. I mean, not so good for Germans, but yeah. <laughs> I said a wonderful. The uh, Sprache Deutsch nicht so good. <laughs> uh, Conan. Uh, look, a technically excellent film about the horrors of war. This is absolutely brutal and insistent about the pointlessness of it all. And absolutely, Come and See is the better film. And 1917, I feel, is well down the line after this. It's about a parody with Saving Private Ryan, but hits in a very different way. It's very great for the thing it is. I did not expect this to strike a chord the way that it has. Mm-hmm. But I think I get it because we have real life you know, honest to goodness, shooting wars going on now. And it's back in people's lives in a very intrinsic and real way, especially for the people fighting it. So uh, this is a great film. And I, and I think I, I may have short sold it when I first saw it, but I definitely uh, get the resonance of it. I think it's a movie that will last uh, for folks going forward. Right. If you're remotely interested in the genre, you should definitely check it out. I think the imagery coming out of Ukraine too um, really resonates with like a movie like this, right? Because there's a lot of like uh, you know the yeah. Russian tank footage where they've blown up a lot of them, and um, you know entire cities kind of leveled that uh, you know people are kind of hiding out in. Like I feel like you know uh, if there was a war in Europe that like sprung out, and then a movie that kind of represented like the the most modern version of that, like you couldn't have picked a better movie. <laughs> and again, we mentioned earlier the, the the when the tanks come and like you don't know what's happening, they don't know what's happening, and stuff shaking. That is probably the best depiction of the first use of tanks in an armed conflict that I think I've ever seen. Because yeah. again, it's like, it's like we made we made an analogy and we're having a laugh of it being like adats and stuff. But no, that's what it would have felt like. Like, what is this? There's a rolling thing coming towards me. Like, this is like a cart, but it's got a gun on it. What is happening? You know, it's crazy. And and the and that quote in the book uh, kind of amazed me. Where they're like, oh well, we didn't take these seriously at first. They're kind of ridiculous looking. But then, you know, nothing more than this represents the annihilation of war. It's like, oh fuck. Um, re- like reading the book and then watching the movie again last night hit in a completely different way for me, I think. Yep. Different kind of game changer. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, but Andy, final thoughts. Uh, I, I gotta say this is, this was a great watch. Uh, I was, uh, I, I didn't know what I was uh, getting into, but when I started it, cause I kept, I ignored it. I don't even know if I've seen the original, um, to, to be honest with you. I, I, uh, if I have, I don't remember anything about it. Uh, so, so, uh, you know, I kind of went in, uh, not knowing what I was getting myself into and, uh, I, I uh, there were some genuinely funny moments, very heartwarming moments that that uh, allows you to get through the horrors of this film, and also <laughs> contrast it very nicely. And and I think it's that contrast because um, I actually did laugh out loud whenever it's like, oh, a uh, bridal, sh- uh, you know, you you guys take uh, horse bridles, you're set for life, you know, that that mm-hmm. cracked me up. Um, uh, I, I actually did laugh out loud whenever they he said that. And and the the novel um, makes a lot of use of that same kind of humor, like throughout it, like uh, sprinkled in, like this is how we survive. We make a lot of jokes. A lot of them are dark jokes, not in the way people are making dark jokes these days, you know, where it's just uh, racist jokes. But 
you know, they actually like legitimately it's gallows humor throughout the entire yeah. book. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But yeah, it, it was uh, you know, there there was like I said just so 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 many great human moments too. Like like when they're on the shitter and finds out that the guy's son is dead, you know. Um yeah. just best best public shitter moment since Benedetta for sure. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, you that's know, why we I, got uh we got we got women talking and we got guys pooping. Yeah, no, <laughs> I, I'm just disappointed nobody said like in um tar. How's the shitting going? Right. <laughs> that can't be how we end this episode. There's no way. Right? How's there, how's the shitting going? <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, I, I think that this movie was uh was pretty great and pretty horrific, and uh, you know, hopefully, tanks don't roll in anywhere else. Mm.